couple. And then I remember they like, they had this guy, who, like one of the managers there, like drive me back to my car. And he, and he, he, he leaves me off at my car and he, he's like, and don't ever come back. <laughs> Hi, we have a guest today. She's been on the podcast before. Can I say hi? Yeah, go hi. ahead. It's Heather Maruli. It's me, Heather Maruli, Heather. controversial comedian. Controversial comedian. Controversial guest of one of our most popular episodes. Which that, Isaac hates. Which I hate. But it's a great episode. But it's a great I've episode. gotten so many comments about really? it. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I need to re-listen to it. I just remember thinking, like, this is just so... Such a mess. You're just a narrow do well. What comments did you get? That they liked it, that they were on my side, and that uh, Isaac was mean. Ah. <laughs> but Isaac oh. was on your side as well. Yeah, but he didn't agree with anything I was saying. <laughs> so... And then in the in the follow up episode that you get, what, do you remember what I'm talking about? I brought this up to you. Uh, the woman who came on and oh, Leslie she said I was stupid. Yeah. Oh, I have a message for Leslie. <laughs> oh, yes. Let's hear it. What is no, it? Oh, poor Leslie. See you next Tuesday. What does Ooh. that mean? You know what it means. I don't know what that means. Yeah, you do. Are you roast battling Leslie? No. <laughs> <laughs> next Tuesday? <laughs> did you challenge her to a roast battle? No, I'm not. <laughs> I did not is challenge that an her to a roast battle. Dog whistle? No. <laughs> it's not. Kidding. Yeah, we got a lot of good feedback on that episode. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Everybody should go back and listen to it. All right. All yeah. Right. Except for Isaac. Well, what about... I mean, yeah... I don't know. I, I just felt like there was a lot of whatever. I mean, it just seemed like we were all kind of shouting at each other. Well, but I guess that's what people like. I, the, people love it. We were yeah. talking about this earlier, but Isaac doesn't... A lot of people don't understand what makes a podcast entertaining mm. versus like what they sound good doing. Right. And right, you, right. when you listen to it a lot of the time, I think that you listen for moments when you sound smart or right. when you're talking a lot. <laughs> but that's not... It's the same way when people are like good friends and they, they're like, we should start a podcast. Right. We have such great rapport. Yeah, and then right. they record it and it's shit to listen to because they're right. just talking about stuff relevant to the two of them. Because they're just blowing smoke up each other's asses. Yeah. And it's, sure. Yeah. Okay. No, that's... that's. I think uh, that is a deft criticism, Charles, and I will accept it. Yeah. Yeah, I... Because I listen to them later. Yeah, the street is very busy today. today. It's It's crazy. It's very busy. It's weird. Uh, Anytime I listen to an episode, the second time is instructive because sometimes I find episodes I thought at the time were shitty or or okay and stuff that I was like, oh, that was good. And I listen to it later. I'm like, oh, that was not not so great. Yeah. Mm. Well, but isn't your first take really the truth? No, because you're in the moment. You're recording like... 
I'm not listening to myself talk. I'm just talking. No, I don't mean now. I mean the first time you listened to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I only listened to it once. And mm-hmm. I just cut it. Heather's allegedly starting a podcast, although. No, I have the logo ready to go. Oh, <laughs> in that case, it means it's hey, done. What do you mean I'm allegedly <laughs> starting a podcast? I'm doing all kinds of things. Like, I'm stressed all the time. What is the purpose of your podcast that you're starting? So it's going to be a diary podcast, mm. kind of like modeled on Jen Kirkman, but I'm going to have like interview episodes like mixed in also. Mm-hmm. Who are you interviewing? People. Comics. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to be comics. Artists, you know, filmmakers. What's the name of your podcast? It's called Unruly Heather Maruli, a diary podcast. I don't like that. One of the first <laughs> guests is my ex-boyfriend oh yeah okay, yeah you guys still friendly or uh we recorded it when we thought we were going to get back together oh oh yeah wow so there's that's some there's some optimism on that recording yeah <laughs> yeah and that's not gonna happen now what the getting back together i don't know what's gonna happen I don't think you should... Uh, I'm not a soothsayer. I don't think you should date comedians. Okay. You've told me this multiple times. Yeah, that's why you're... And at- you're wrong. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. Because... Continue living in misery. <laughs> no. Hey, w- no. Listen. That was a good relationship. It had nothing to do with him or me being a comedian. But no, it's the that aftermath. is the problem. It. you got to plan for the future. So the- why did it end? Why did it end? He felt that <laughs> it was too serious. It was getting too serious and he wasn't ready. And you know what? I don't blame him. I don't think he's ready. Hmm. Why is he not ready? Um, he's, I don't know. He's just like a non, a lot of guys I've noticed around my age or even a little older, like, especially this generation just have like a really bad, like commitment phobe type mindset, you know, it's, and it's not just him. It's like a ton of people. I don't know what it is. Just like fear. About, like, actually being in something that's not going to end, you know? I feel Except like a lot death. of people have that. It's a millennial thing or a Gen X thing or... Um, I I don't know. I mean, he's a little older than me. So, I don't know. I, I guess it's more of a millennial thing, sure. Like, not wanting to be tied down. And then also, I feel like men don't really feel that they can be in, like, a serious relationship until they have their, like, professional life yeah. in order. Yeah, that's very true. You know? Like, they, they don't feel... Because men want to, like, you know, provide. and Right. That's, yeah. like, just, like, an inherent type quality well, yeah I think that's definitely that yeah, men yeah. have it's hard yeah. to be in a serious relationship and kind of have a bunch of fires in the oven right irons in the fire irons you in mean? the fire wow well, the, <laughs> not the, even drunk the truth though is, is irons in the fire. i have that instinct but the actual truth is that a good relationship helps you get your shit together. no sure. i and i and that was my side of it yeah. that was my argument in this thing yeah. i was like you know like i i really felt that like our relationship was like helping like lift him up not like drag him down you know yeah. and yeah. i and i feel it was just like a fear thing where uh, you know whatever yeah and the fact is you never feel like you have it all the way together. exactly no. you know, I, I, and i don't feel idea. like that because i don't know i felt like he had some idea that i was just like so much like further ahead than him in life but like i have no idea what the hell i'm doing like yeah. at all times well, we all think everybody yeah. you know that everybody has are. it together yeah. when they don't no. you know everybody's like in shambles basically yeah, yeah we're doing pretty you well know? here we're doing pretty well we're in a beautiful house <laughs> in a beautiful neighborhood the ocean is two blocks we're, away we're all creative people yourself. 
No, hey, we're all creative people. Well, we make yeah, I am a creative person. We make money from our creativity, man. That's yeah, I just got paid the most I've ever been paid to do stand up. That's great. How much? <laughs> exactly. Twenty five dollars. <laughs> no, no, it was a hundred. Oh, okay. Well, hey, for stand up, that's a stand up is a that's actually hard pretty. Thing. Good. She was just in Idaho as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Where? Isaac was there I, earlier. Boise. I was in Boise. Yeah, I was performing at a comedy festival, 208 Comedy Festival. It was really good. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think I saw some like comedy clubs when I was there, and I thought Liquid. Yeah, yeah Liquid. Yeah, it's right. downtown. Um, that that's my second time being in Boise. So. Yeah, I think I remember last time you like were talking about going to Idaho or something. Right. Yeah, I did yeah. the Idaho Laugh Fest, and right. Charles was supposed to be there, but he wasn't able to come. No. Hmm. Idaho. Why are you making a face like that? Was what it? face? Just, Nobody po- can see your face. You were saying it like I'd done something wrong. Oh no! Didn't go. You're one of my favorite people. So what's the deal with this book? I'm really <laughs> bothered by something in the title of this book. Well, what, it, what about private it? government? Look at it. Private government. How employers rule our lives and why we don't talk about it. Everything right. in all of this is capitalized, besides the and, which is correct, <laughs> but also about is not capitalized. Which makes no fucking sense. I. Why is about not capital? I don't know. What I think you're. Of... I think about isn't supposed to be capitalized. Are you sure? Wouldn't no. I don't think that that's no, because true. It. It refers to the employer's rule, right? No, so it's a title. Subject. It's a title. No, so I know. I don't think about has to be capitalized because it's a um. What do you what do you call it? Oh yeah, it's a. Is it though? Whatever. I think there's gray, maybe gray rules. I don't know. It is odd. I never even noticed it. There's apps where you can type in a title and it'll show you rules of style. Capitalized. Yeah, the rules of style though. I I recently read the MLA handbook or whatever. Uh, It's actually. Yeah, I did. I really I read it because I'd never read it. I'm like I'm a writer. I should at least like know what some of these things are. And it's actually really fun to read. Because it's hilarious because this guy's like a cranky British guy. And he's like, obviously, <laughs> anybody who does it like this is yeah. an idiot. And But it's pretty uh, ambiguous. Yeah. A lot of these rules are very um, not black and white. Yeah, they're all over the place. I remember that from yeah. college. I had that thing handy and was like, well, what am I supposed to do with this citation? Mm-hmm. It's strunk and white. That's what I just read. That. Is oh. That, that not MLA no, handbook. Strunk and white. Yeah, elements that's E.B. White. That's, uh, yeah, elements of style. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's that's why it was written that way. Yeah. Uh, I had Heather on because I posted about this book and she responded. Po- we're both, Heather and I are both office drones of one kind <laughs> or another. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I'm a drone, but I'm there every day. Do you, <laughs> do, do you want to say where you work? Are you I'm able? not going to name the place, but I'll say that I work at a, a very prominent Beverly Hills law firm. Oh. And I work at a like a tech type company, sort of yeah. post production tech. Right. So we both sit in an office and mm-hmm. click on computers. And yeah. this book I liked. I, I just saw it in a bookstore, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is like my philosophy about work in a book." And I and I bought it. And it's base. It's two lectures by this woman Elizabeth Anderson, uh, and. It's also a bunch of rebuttals to her lectures Mm -hmm. and then her rebuttal to the rebuttals. Mm -hmm. So the first lecture is about sort of the history of, um, I guess, the history of labor. Right. uh, In specifically the period of time. It's in England. Egalitarianism is where it starts. Yeah. And how 
the difference between the way people worked then is butchers or as kind of these sole proprietors where they had a service or a good that they provided and people came in and they bought from them and they were essentially they just ran their own shop and then industrialization came in and changed the way that we work and the way that we relate to each other that's like the first lecture am i missing anything from the first one Mm, no the second lecture is about how workplaces are run as she calls the equivalent of communist dictatorships where we have these uh, these uh, as the title says private governments that are allowed to dictate to us rules and ways to behave with no intercession by the actual government that exists. So, right. And then all, especially outside of work is one of the key things that she yeah, talks about. Where where your employer can fire you because of a Facebook post or something on Twitter or for some other reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Why would they have that jurisdiction? And why do we think that it's okay? Exactly. Yeah. And, the, and the refrain is always, well, it's private. They can do whatever we want. Right. And, and that's supposed to be okay for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. And she points out that one of the failures of libertarianism is to address that very point because libertarians, libertarians pretend to be ostensibly concerned with freedom for everything, mm-hmm. but the freedom from being policed by your employer is not there. Yeah, because there's some strange arbitrary distinction between private and public. Right. It doesn't really is increasingly less meaningful uh, over time. Yeah. So I, I, I read both lectures and I read the whole book and I found it, it was good. It was a good, you know, if people don't know, I was suspended from my job because of social media mm-hmm. uh, back last year. Right. Oh, is- and I'll let you know, in 2005, I was fired from a job for a MySpace blog post. Really? <laughs> wow. So this, oh. is, this is years before like social media, like had a major impact. Yeah. On Wait, so things. tell us that story. Okay. So this was like the first job I ever had, like in high school and um it was at this like it's a tourist trap in colorado springs it's called seven falls don't go basically what it is it's like a waterfall that's broken into seven parts Mm. you would think that it's seven waterfalls but no it's one waterfall in seven parts (laughs) so i you know i worked in the gift shop and like did all that sort of stuff and and like it was all like you know like young girls working there like teenagers so like there was sort of like tension between me and some of the other girls but it was mostly because our supervisor I won't name her, but she sucks and she knows who she is. Um, She's listening. No, I don't know about. Well, maybe she is. Who knows? But um, she was just like, you know, like a hard ass, like for where we worked. And like, I remember one time she um, we had this opening checklist that we had to do every morning. And I finished the checklist like in an hour. And she was like, "Um, the opening checklist usually takes me between three and four hours. (laughs) And I was like, well, then it's not an opening checklist, is it? Like if it takes you half of your shift to do it, you know, and nobody liked this girl. Like I worked there with like, um, actually there's two girls, one girl I went to high school with, who worked there with me and she also got fired along with me. And then another girl, I'll say her name, Jasmine. Hi. Uh, We're still really good friends. She lives in LA now, but um, yeah, I made like just like a harmless MySpace blog post where I was just like talking about like, 
I okay so one of the things that they had at this place were like Native American dancers who were like they had to dance like every hour on the hour that sounds so ridiculous doesn't it yeah and I found out that they only got paid in tips like somebody told me that like they only get paid in tips and I was kind of like grossed out by that and I wrote like a MySpace blog about that and then I said I had a supervisor who like was just like tight you know (laughs) just like you know did you name the place in your post um i don't really remember i don't think i named it directly Mm. no no but i came in one day and uh you know the office manager or whatever she's like come upstairs and she like shows me this like printout of my myspace blog and she goes sounds very familiar you and keep in mind that i was 18 at the time and not the fully formed you know intellectually powerful woman i am today whereas you know i would be immediately asking for an attorney yeah (laughs) like if somebody yeah. did this to me you know like and i was just like kind of panicked i was like um well i yeah i guess and and she's like did you write this and and like she's like you're fired and i was like wow. oh god i mean it was so unbelievable and then i remember they like they had this guy who, like one of the managers there like drive me back to my car and he and he he, he leaves me off at my car and he he's like and don't ever come back (laughs) and then he handed me this like letter that amanda had written to me basically saying how insulted she was and i tore it up and threw it out my window like i didn't very harsh that's a very harsh oh my god they act 18 year old no exactly and and then my father you do that if somebody like took a shit yeah in the the gift shop right exactly and then my father had to go pick up my last paycheck and he talked to the office manager and was like well because i didn't really like tell him exactly exactly what happened and the office manager just just told him that they fired me for like oh you know like you know like girl stuff basically what yeah like basically like girls like girl drama is Uh, what they chalked it up to that's what they told my father and my and it was fine whatever i got a new job like a week later but (laughs) you know it was just like ridiculous the way they similar to your to your it's pretty much exactly what happened (laughs) yeah Yeah. just with different well and then also but i think also like the time the year how many years ago it was yeah 2005 because this was like this was before i mean this is right when facebook was becoming popularized and myspace was like huge yeah so like there was no like precedence for like any of this sort of thing happening was you were you you on myspace or did you have like a different like username i I don't remember how myspace worked but i didn't have like my last name on it i think so somebody just went on there and yeah how did you you get found well i'm pretty sure it was another girl who worked there named debbie who like tattled on me because no. she was like, of course, goody two shoes. Oh wow! Yeah, I was. It was somebody in my office doing the same thing. You know, this just happened, and to I delicious... don't know why people do stuff like that. No. You know, this eat. just happened to delicious tacos. Yeah. Oh delicious yeah. Delicious tacos just oh, got the doxed. Artist? The writer. Oh right. And no, he, I know who that is. <laughs> yeah, and he just got doxed at work. Yeah. Somebody doxed him. He doesn't really know how. The story that he tells of how it and our podcast contributed to his doxing sadly. yeah yeah oh really yeah, yeah well yeah and uh so watch out they like went and listened they went and listened to the podcast and, and were like to verify that yeah. it was him because that was it was his voice right you know? he'd been on another podcast before though so it wasn't only us but it's but the, the power of this podcast it's, and, that's really what it is yeah. but uh yeah somebody basically snuck in and and tried to dox him out and 
it's just so fucked up, man. And, yeah. and, and there's nothing survived, to do with though. his job. He That's survived, the, but he had to like shut everything down. Like well, he's had to make his Twitter account private. He had to remove all which of his is, like incriminating posts. It's crazy. Hmm. That's his. That has nothing you know, to do with his he's job. He's such a That's fucking so masochist, though. That it, like I think in a way he loves, loves this it, of course, because yeah. he like <laughs> wants attention. he yeah. wants life to be just so bleak and fucking sad. Well, yeah, that, you like, like <laughs> you like battling. Like, you like the struggle. Yeah, you like feeling like the underdog versus some evil corporate bullshit. Right, do you right. um do you make your social media private because of you do comedy? On no, on Facebook, if I post about work, I usually hide it. Okay. For and just let people that I'm friends with see it. Sure. But most posts I just put up there. Okay. And I actually I had a conversation with my boss at work. Yeah. Where I was very direct with him because he came and said I was like, hey, I hear you do stand up, and I was like, mm-hmm. I don't mean to be rude, but I'm not talking about this with you. And I said, if you go looking, that's your business. But sure. I don't want to be in the position yeah. where I'm getting in trouble because I'm right. talking about comedy and then somebody gets their fucking feelings hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because the people I work with know that I'm a comedian. And, no. like, actually a lot of them have, like, come to my shows, yeah. you know, except, like, the partners in the firm where I work at, they found out that I do comedy, like, right. at the Christmas party last year. And I was just like, oh, boy. Like, I hope they don't, like, look me up. Well, like, I think lawyers my- probably have a better understanding of this though than many oh the privacy issue yeah because i think they get principles i think they probably Mm. get you know like okay this is not they have probably a good understanding of the separation between your work life and your yeah you know unless you're really grossly shitting on them or no you know revealing no details they probably won't well of course yeah if you're out there revealing you know trade secrets or whatever <laughs> let me tell you this joke about this <laughs> yeah this, case this that... patent that we're filing <laughs> yeah. yeah i i've had that interact that's my new strategy at work like this this woman at work that i don't need no we've never spoken she comes up she goes when's your next show oh, and boy. i was like i'm not telling you don't ask me about comedy ever again. <laughs> like, I'm just not putting myself in that. It's not worth sure. it. I, I don't want to go through that nonsense again. And what yeah. I liked about this book was it kind of talked about why that's actually not a... The problem is that everybody's bought into this idea that employers can do whatever they want to you, right? Just because they pay you mm-hmm. money to do a job. But they're only paying you for a certain thing that you do. Exactly. So it's absurd that an employer has the right to dictate right. to you what you wear. If you're not customer oh, facing, well, that's, why do you have to follow a dress yeah, code? No, does exactly. that matter? Dress codes, I think are one of the, one of the most um, insane things that they try to impose on people, especially on women. Right. Like we had somebody come into the office a couple years ago, like talk about like, you know, what ladies should be wearing Ooh. and, <laughs> you know, and, and she's like, well, you know, for your nail polish, you can only have, you know, pinks or nudes Whoa. on your nails. And it's like, no, like everybody, every girl on my office like comes in with like acrylics you know like whatever color they want you know and yeah. it, it's like f you like we're not doing that right you know well i i think you should though see here's a part where i will maybe side with the libertarians in the sense that if you want to have a workplace it's you know it's a tough thing because it's like i think and things you do outside of the workplace, whether it's create art, how you dress, anything like that, your employer should have zero control over that. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. However, inside the workplace, I think you should be able to build whatever sort of rigid code that you want. I mean, if you ever want everybody to wear suits, right, every day, mm-hmm. even though it's, you know, New Orleans, I had to wear a suit every day to fucking the office in unbelievable death heat. It was horrible. You were an attorney, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, but, uh, 
But that's, I think that's okay. But that's you know, part like, of your that's part of your job. Is is right? No, I wasn't facing anyone. I mean, I wasn't. Oh, they I mean, was sitting in a room. Yeah, office, but but people would day. come into the firm and right. conduct business, right? So if you're inside of a firm that has customers coming into it, you're still customer facing. You're still well, presenting. Well, you know, the law, the law firm, firm I work is, at, yeah. I do not do... Um, I used to be... I've worked at a few firms, and I used to be just like a case manager where I would have to interact with clients all yeah. the time. So I would like, you know, come in like with my makeup done and, you know, dress well and all that stuff. But like now I, I just sit downstairs and I write demands and mediation briefs. So yeah. like I don't oh, feel... Cool. Wow, so you're like pretty legit. I mean, you're yeah. like actually doing law shit. You're not just like... Yeah, a, yeah wow. I... I I do law shit. Yeah. That's right. Wow. <laughs> professional law a shit job. doer. Yeah, it is a good job. Um, Hopefully, you don't get no. Fired but from I think if you want podcast. everybody in your company to wear white all the time, but you should be able to do that. The issue that right? she she brings up is one example is like there's a few there's factories where uh, factory workers can go to the bathroom when they want it, and they were just told just oh, just piss in your pants because you well, you can't okay. leave so the floor. That's ridiculous. Oh, you're but, talking yeah, about at the I Tyson. Mean, no, no. That's, yeah, that's Tyson. just like that's fucking abuse. I've, I mean, I've seen different that at, at different other places too. Yeah. Yeah. No, so they talk about how they go in but that gets, that adult gets in, diapers. That gets yeah. into that 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 zone where you used to talk about you can set up the workplace with rigid rules that you want. It's but like, not that rigid. But that's okay. where there's it, a limit here. That, that's where you go. It's about the concept of what what can they tell you to do. Mm. Uh, when you're doing your job like you know, what that, is re- related to your actual work and forcing you to piss on yourself is obviously beyond a limit well, of that, that, abuse. Rem- that kind <laughs> okay. of like reminds me of like the factory conditions they have in like Guangzhou yeah. in China yeah. like at um what's the Foxconn co- where, yeah Foxconn yeah. you know with people like so fucking distraught that no, they that like is fucking jump slavery. off the sides yeah. of buildings and they have to put in suicide nets this is what people buildings. don't understand about large corporate American employers is they're all like yeah Yay, no borders. Yay, immigration. Yay, no taxes. There's a fucking reason why they're doing that. And the reason is so that they can have slaves at Foxconn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that because there's no yeah. regulation there. There's nobody to say you can't do this. Whereas yeah. that you that shit wouldn't fly in America. Yeah. You know, and people just have no consciousness that these people are fucking basically slaveholders pouring money into no borders, not because they like, oh, we believe in the dreamers. Like, no, they're doing it so they can have mm-hmm. slave labor. Well, my mom works at a place with really like rigid rules about like taking breaks. And where does she? Where is that? Um, it's a call center in Colorado. Oh, yeah, okay, but they're wow. like super strict, and she's like, you know, they give you points if you. I guess you can only have like a certain number. I think they get deducted or something or added, but. She's like, yeah, if you get like a certain number of points within a quarter, then you're you're fired automatically. And my mom has always been like she's worked there for like 15 years. So she's like been stressed about this for that long. So terrifying. Yeah. And 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 like she said, they'll even like say something to you if like you go on a 10 minute break and you come back after 11 minutes, you know, like it's like that bad. Jeez, I couldn't. And this happens routinely at places, you know, and that's and that's why people are miserable in their in their yeah, work you know there's so no sense right. of ownership about what you do you just have exactly the other the other interesting point she brings up is why is it that we can't elect our managers why oh, if yeah. you have a shitty oh boss why do you have to put up with the boss it's always yeah. like ugh, why can can't I just say something yeah okay this is uh i know it's not off the record but no it's not <laughs> no this is managers are usually 
the least qualified people to manage. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, because they get promoted because they're good at some task. And they're like, you're really good at this task. You should manage the whole department. Right, but that exactly. doesn't mean they're good at managing. Yeah, right. And that's... I think the people who are who would be the best at managing stay away from it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they don't want it. They don't want anything to do with it. There's no exactly. pe- people that want to be managers have weird power right. yes. fantasies. Yes, they yes, want to walk yes, around and yes. emboss people. And tell around. people what to do. And, but why, and that's who they are. Why can't we elect our managers? Why can't a group of employees that work for somebody say, This guy's a piece of shit. Let's he, I don't want him to manage us anymore. Yeah. Let's get somebody else in here. Why is that? Why can't we not do that? Know. Why isn't that instituted? We believe in democracy. Why isn't that instituted in every Well, yeah, place? no, you're right. Because it is sort of, it's like a dictatorship model. Like yeah. a, I guess yeah. the, the problem with that is if you have, I mean, you know, again, there's probably another side to this. Right. I mean, it's like, okay, I, I think probably in America it has gotten so far out of control in terms of needing to be productive and yada, 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 that it's just terrible. But... On the other hand, <laughs> there it is. Without, but w- without <clears throat> a rigid hierarchy, some companies wouldn't be productive at all, and you wouldn't be able to compete, or you wouldn't be able to do enough in a certain amount of time. And the manager's the bad guy, right? And some managers probably have to be the bad guy. And if they could always get kicked out by a democratic vote, and everybody, okay, why don't we just vote for the guy who doesn't? Gives us unlimited breaks. You know, it becomes that sort of thing. Sure, yeah. I think there's a balance, definitely. Mm -hmm. But as is, you know, I don't think that that's particularly the greatest way either. You know, what... It, it it was a really the great thing about the book is it really kind of makes you go oh why why is it set up this way yeah why why is working so miserable why do I feel not free Mm -hmm. you know to to be a person it's just, it's just very managed and and panopticonish oh yeah. yeah and yeah the, the the libertarian thing was the thing that i thought was most interesting because they've firmly allied themselves with corporate interests in that respect there's no and and you know part of that is is there's no unions anymore right. like unions used to be the protector of workers mm-hmm. you could have your union negotiate for better deals at work and now they've been so gutted, you know, sometimes for good reasons, but other times for bad. Right. There's no way to negotiate with your workplace, mm-hmm. you know. So what does she, what does Elizabeth Anderson advocate for? What, she, are, what are her solutions? She doesn't offer a real specific set of solutions. It's more focused on identifying a mode of thinking about working that that is an alternative to the way that we think about it and answering those those people that are just like, well, you know, businesses can do what they want. They can set up the workplace the way that they want to set it up and just say, well, that's not an acceptable response when we're talking about working, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. In, the, in some sentences, sentences, I agree. In some, I don't. So wh- how do we shift the way of thinking then? How does she say we shift the way of thinking? Does she have any suggestions? But, uh, I think... Like I said, I don't think she's real focused on solutions because that's right. kind of a longer term project. This is more of like an explanation of why this is happening. Yeah. More like theorizing. Yeah. And to get people out of the mindset. And this is what I always explain to people. And people, it was good to read this book because I finally have this background to, to talk on it. But anytime I talk about work stuff, it's just like, well, they can, you know, they can do what they want. And you're just oh, like, but, yeah. but no, why? Why yeah. can they do what no, they want? But that that's true. Like, I have always grown up, both of my parents 
taught me to constantly question authority right. and that has gotten me in trouble at some point yeah, people don't like that. but but also you know i am like a free thinking type person and whenever i see like little things happen in the workplace i make it it could be like the subtlest thing like i've talked about this on stage like at my office we have like a three o'clock snack time every day and i think it's like kind of this like weird propagandistic like activity where we're like oh we're like all friends together yeah, let's yeah, have yeah. a snack yeah. together snack and it's always like something i shouldn't be putting in my mouth you yeah. know like fritos or like yeah. you know like it's... something i you know like a twinkie that i shouldn't be eating like yeah. foods that like people should not be eating like processed foods and i said something about that i was like well can we get like fruit or crudite in here and everybody looked at me like i was like oh, in insane <laughs> but you know i she's a troublemaker but every yeah. place i've ever Fruit worked at i've had like these problems well there was a firm i worked at um when i first moved to la where i would describe the owner of the firm i mean he had no partners it was just him where <laughs> he was just like a total like dictator about like certain things like a total like narcissist like crazed control freak person yeah. yeah and you know like you would come in and he, and he'd be like well you know you can never don't be on the internet ever like you know yeah. it's like like these little like subtle things that he would do and I, i'm just like so over it at this point in my life where it's like you know am i ever going to get out of this and like yeah. i feel like people feel like they they're obligated you know like I, I have to work at this place like you know it's like this idea of like um I don't like this is what you do. You get a job, you get a house, you have a car, you have a family, and then you die. Like <laughs> that sort of thing. And that's all part of the like rigid society we're in with like work. Like we're very rigid about work here. You know, like in Europe, like I feel like they have so many holidays. Like like I studied abroad in Spain and like they would go on a break at like two o'clock and yeah. then like come back in like yeah. a couple of I was hours. working on Saturday. Like we're like people like People have like died at their desks, yeah. like from overwork, which is crazy. Yeah. We you were know? talking to a guy last night who's a economist and he had a great um ana not analogy, I guess just insight into how we describe making money in different cultures. Mm. The word we use to make money and like what that says about the way that that culture treats making money. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like in America, we say make yeah. money. Like we f make it out yeah. of something, <laughs> ingenuity that we sure. like find. Right. In Europe, like in Western Europe, I think in like Italy and France, it's like you find money. Mm. <laughs> it's like you like come across it. Okay. It's just, I forget the exact word they use, but it's more just like, oh, here's, here's some money that yeah. I, I have, you know, just in going through my daily life. In China, it's like, the word is like suffer. Like you have to like <laughs> suffer your money. Right. Like I've yeah. suffered up some money, you know, it's yeah. just like deep pain. And um, in Germany, I think it's like, I forget the German thing, but it's like, it's more similar to suffering. It's like, you know, something that you uh, earn, you earn it. Mm -hmm. I've earned this money. Sure. You know, I deserve it because I've yeah. done this thing. Yeah. And in America, we really, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think we have the same suffer. In China, they definitely have, they're maybe a little bit more obsessed with the suffering no. aspect than we are here, or at right. least more tolerant of it. Um, but here, there's definitely a warped 
workplace situation where no. you know people are really expected to do a lot of things that they are unnatural. Yeah. And you spend time around people that you spend the most amount of time around these people that you didn't select. Right. You're just kind of thrown in there with. Yeah, and you spend your life around Yeah. Them. It's like I spend eight hours a day around people that I don't I don't really give a shit about. It's <laughs> it's crazy. Like what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you people? Yeah. I if one of them died, I would be like that's too bad, uh, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. But I wouldn't. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't be upset. I w- probably wouldn't think about it for too long. Yeah. yeah. A, a guy at my exactly. one of my previous jobs died of stomach cancer, mm. and I it was terrible because he sure. was young and it was a horrendous thing. But I was just right. like, oh, no, I know. Oh well, I know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And yeah. that's a sad. Well, see, state I'm of totally affairs. against. <laughs> like, I, I, I really don't like fraternization outside of work yeah with co-workers there Absolutely. are co-workers who i work with who i i do really like and we have hung out and there's a girl who i work with who i've worked with at other firms and we're pretty close but it's like i'm not going to go out of my way to hang out with these people i mean I, like i've been invited like hey let's get let's get drinks yeah. it's like, I, don't, I don't really feel yeah. like doing that like i have i have things to do that aren't <laughs> related to this I'm place drink drano <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'm gonna drink up. Drano instead. <laughs> I'd rather do that. No, good tag, Isaac. So, doesn't this make you guys just want to find a way to either make money without having to go in the workplace? Which is yeah, I, yeah. I mean that's what I've been or, working on for years. 100 percent goal. <laughs> or or but I mean, doesn't it make you also just want to maybe start your own business, even if it's not hmm. comedy? Like just to yeah, like, here's my that. own sure. business. No, I don't want to run a business. I don't want to manage other people. I don't have any of that drive to like uh, have other people working under me. That's been uh, just worked out of me. M- maybe when I was young, I was like, "Oh, I can be the boss of somebody, and that'll be fun." But now, at mm-hmm. this, you know, at my age now, I'm just like, "No, I don't want anybody." I ha- yeah, I have no desire to manage anybody really. Yeah, but I do have a desire to be my own, like maybe independent contract personal business you know like yeah yeah, like i don't know like i i don't know what's gonna happen like if i i don't know if i if i'll get like a writing job or something like that i mean that would be just going into another workplace yeah see that's the thing i I don't think that's the solution i'm sure a writer's room is a fucking nightmare in its own way sure there's all kinds of factors going in there also yeah it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to work around. One of the things that she asks is like, why why aren't more workplaces set up like independent contractors? Like you come in and you, mm-hmm. you produce whatever thing that you're supposed to produce. And mm-hmm. if you're efficient at it, you continue working that. If you're not, they end the contract. Well, because most jobs these days are not about productivity. They're about service. Yeah. Right? Exactly like what your mom is going through. And that creates a... But you could still be a mentality in- that is just based on service. It's about being there and acting a certain way. Like that is most people's job is to go to a place and act, act this way. Do you think most? I don't know that most is yeah, accurate. in America, I, yes. I think, mm-hmm. I think you're talking about a lot of middle class jobs, but I think there's a large number of, of other jobs of people that are producing whatever that still exist. 
I don't know. Like, I don't have a service job. I don't know. Well, yeah. It's, okay, so you're you're actually producing. But I feel like a lot. Exists. I mean, this is a whole other conversation. But I feel like a lot of these like service jobs are like going away anyway. No, because of automation. I don't but, know. It, it dawned on me recently that a lot of people's jobs are writing emails, writing and responding to emails. A lot of people like that. <laughs> that's work for them. Like they go into work. <laughs> and they write and respond to emails all day, and then they go home. Yeah, yeah, that happens. I don't know about that entire life. <laughs> what jo- else do they do? One- and like maybe put data in a spreadsheet. Well, or like the stuff you know? that that we do in a law firm. It's like way more complicated. Oh well, than no, emails. of course, no, absolutely. People practicing law, it's you're really doing something. Mm-hmm. One but job I had, they had really almost entirely eliminated needing to do work emails, and it was one of the best workplaces ever because if you needed information there's just a place you could go get it you didn't have to search through your email oh nice deal with any people attaching spreadsheets and long fucking threads my job like that is like that there's all these emails the information's Mm -hmm. not centralized anywhere it's bananas and i'm having a hard time getting back into that like oh i need to go find this email where you know this piece of the information was sent right yeah i just hate working just (laughs) over (laughs) is that what it is yeah but i don't mind working on stuff Without having to go into an office, like I like working, like right. No, I I describe myself like I'm a workaholic for sure. Like I I love working, and that applies to just like you know being in the office, like comedy. Like I work hard on comedy, like writing, like all this stuff. I I just feel like I'm not. I can't be idle. Is one of my problems. I so am not a workaholic. I (laughs) hate doing work of any kind. (laughs) As long as I as long as I value it, and I. And I, I feel something about it. I, I can really work hard on something. Yeah. It's it, yeah. The thing I liked about the book most, especially, was it, it it gives a good contra to people that just act like employers just do whatever they want. You know, they're paying you money. Right. The the one of the main problems that exists in America too is you know we're so tied to our jobs because that's where mm-hmm. our healthcare comes from and our retirement is all there. Yeah. And because we're so far behind these other societies that have like socialized medicine and you know it's like it's like looked down upon by most american americans they're like oh that it's just a handout you know like nobody wants that you know and it's i don't know how many decades behind we are from people yeah it's really weird that it is strange we're still relying on our employers to give benefits right you know and then when they do they're usually not sufficient yeah not participation <laughs> dangling the fruits of you know dangling fruits in front of you so you participate it's like okay we need you to participate in the thing and yeah. here here it is but mm-hmm. then you get tied to them because if you want to quit if you're like oh i can't fucking deal with this place anymore it's a huge burden because not only are you losing your income but you're also you know if you have some kind of medical issue that you need to get go have taken care of re- uh, regularly you don't have that option super available to you you know it's easier now than it was but it's still uh, you know the the cost of exit which is also smoothed over by a lot of people like if, if you don't like it just quit mm-hmm. you know it's like well we don't you know it's not that easy no no so what's your solution charles what, what are we gonna do just more office shootings or 
Uh, yes. <laughs> That is what I advocate. Uh, more, oh we but know, we know you advocate those more targeted so. office shootings. <laughs> you, you know, need to I, come in I worked and pick at off firm, the higher level people. I worked yeah. at a firm where a guy came in with a knife to threaten my boss Ooh. with a knife. That's a little different. No, but this was like a legal thing. Probably. Yeah, well, because yeah. his settlement was like three dollars and ninety-seven cents, and he Ooh. wasn't happy about that. He's pissed. Jeez. So he was gonna do some knifing. <laughs> one of the things the HR lady told me when I had my thing, she's like, you know, there was somebody in the office who actually had experienced a workplace shooting thing. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, okay. She's like, so that was very traumatic for them. I said, again, not my problem. Like, Charles, why? I don't know. If I'm, yeah. <laughs> no, but I don't know if I'm on your side on this one. <laughs> again, here's the thing. I was like, not. I will shoot that person in their yeah. fucking face. Tell me who it is and I'll I deal don't with it. <laughs> Tell me who it is. But that oh boy, that was my point. I was Listen, like, bitch. Yeah. I didn't shoot you in your face next time. That was my thing. I was like, I didn't bring that into the office. That was pulled from my life and you brought it to the office. You know, you made you made it my my problem. Oh Jesus! Yeah, there's some. That's a person I shot earlier. (laughs) This is the sound. You hear this? Oh boy, Charles is what you'll hear. Controversial comedian. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was it was bad news, and to for. For us to even allow the idea that that's okay for workplaces to have that mm-hmm. kind of jurisdiction over your life outside of work right. is, is dangerous. Well, it's hey, not- Google memo, you know? I guess that was a little different, though, because that was, like, shared at work, right? Well, I don't, I, I don't think he would have been fired if that hadn't gone viral, right. if it had just been a thing that went around at work. There was no way it wasn't going to go viral. Yeah. Did you listen to him, him on, he on Joe, Joe Rogan? Rogan? No, I, I started it and it. I haven't finished. Yeah, did you? I would listen to some of it. He's very hard to listen to. Why? Because, I could imagine. Uh, he's, he just has one of those adenoidal voices and he doesn't <laughs> speak very well. He's very like... A computer oh, boy. Yeah. And so he, he's not like a crazy raving misogynist. Is he an incel? What does that mean? Involuntary celibate. Oh. <laughs> Like Elliot Roger. Not anymore. Probably <laughs> now he's probably getting laid because he's famous. Oh, I don't know about that. Elliot Roger. <laughs> I would bet he haunts this podcast. <laughs> I would bet a lot of money that this guy has gotten laid from this. Oh thing. boy. Definitely. I'm certain. At least once. I mean he's been now he's been on Joe Rogan. I've yeah, heard by many what does people. he look like? I'm gonna have he to look at it. Looks, looks like you would like. imagine. Really? He's very severe looking. He's like, got a very severe look. He's not look. meek? I would not imagine really. him being kind of meek. Yeah, he's he's kind of meek. James Damore, right? Yeah. He, I don't think he came off badly, but he, it was, he's not a good advocate for what he, he was saying. He was, uh, sure. he, he was just kind of like, you know, he, he was stumbling over his oh words. Boy. And, yeah, not fuckable. Oh, there it is. They decide in five yeah. seconds. We were talking about oh, this earlier. You, women decide within, yeah, like five to ten yeah, seconds exactly. if they would fuck a guy. But it's not just looks. It's like energy, right? Yeah. Like, I like I love me an alcoholic. Like, give, give it to me. <laughs> Put your seed in me if you have a drinking problem. <laughs> Are you an addict? Even better. Okay. Yeah, my theory that I was telling Isaac earlier is that women have... Men always talk about the friend zone. I'm like, it's not a thing. Oh. Women have a fuck zone, and either mm. you're in it or you're not. 
Right. And then the guy who's not in the fuck zone can be your friend. Yeah. You know. But they think that like, oh, I've I'm in I've been friend zoned and No, but there I are guys who I'm friends with who I would fuck for sure. Right. But yeah. they're still cuz they're in your fuck zone. Like they're in <laughs> Right, like if it ever if it ever came up, we right. it, we could do you it. You might choose you know? not to, but you of course it's there, right? And I think that's I think a lot of men don't understand that. No, they think like they can, I I'll I'll look at a man and instantly decide if if he's fuckable, right? Really, but yeah. so him talking makes no difference. It's just the look, or is it the energy? It's, it's it, I mean, this guy, it's the look, and also I already know about him, like about what he wrote. So it's like you know. Who's the shirtless man? This guy looks like he's like your... five foot six. Just kind of. Who's the shirtless man? Oh, that's John Mayer Whoa. relaxing in bed. She has a John Mayer relaxing in bed background. Yeah. His body is a wonderland. He's fuckable yeah. for sure. Yeah, a lot of women like John Mayer. He had a drinking problem for a while. There wow. you go. So he's right in there. He's hitting oh, all the. Love it. <laughs> all the hot spots. I'm working on that actually. How to not be attracted to alcoholics. What is it about alcoholics that you like? Well, my dad was an alcoholic. So I'm used to the withholding of affection that they typically have. And usually there's three traits that they say that alcoholics have in psychology. And it's um, self-centeredness, hypersensitive to criticism, and emotionally stunted. Hmm. I must be a dry drunk. I've got two. No, but yeah, if if you have a problem with alcohol and you're not drinking, they... Dry drunk is the term they give to people who haven't worked on those issues. Right. Dry drunk. I've heard that. I've right. heard that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what George Bush was alleged to be. The dry, dry drunk. drunk. Which one? A dry drunk. George W. Bush? George W. Bush. Okay. Yeah. Do I, you know that he, in the beginning of his book, he like attributes everything that he, all his success to him stopping drinking? No. Yeah. He, he believes ha, that that was Has he entirely, worked 12 steps? No, he's not, right? I don't know if he did. Or Alan? I don't know if he did that. He, I think it happened when he was born again. Oh. I think. Yeah. But he says like, he was like, the whole beginning right. of his book is like, I was thinking like, I have had a drink every single day for like 25 years and yeah. I like what why have I done that mm. and then like it really it did like when he stopped drinking he that was like he suddenly he was a late bloomer yeah yeah really late bloomer yeah although when you're the son of a president it's not not exactly that hard <laughs> yeah. you've got a head start even if you are a late bloomer right, right. yeah <laughs> so I recommend everybody read this book if you like uh workplace stuff Workplace shootings. Workplace shootings. If you're in <laughs> favor of work- workplace, Elizabeth Anderson. I, I just want to go on the favor. record and say I'm against workplace shootings. What? <laughs> I I so PC. <laughs> I am also against workplace shootings, but the inability of my workplace to discern that uh, was a big problem. Is anybody pro workplace shootings? Like what, people, people who have permitted workplace shootings, shoot up, shoot up workplace probably. No. Hmm. You know. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, even if I was murderously angry, I don't know if I'd be able to do a workplace shooting because there's no point in shooting your fellow people that are suffering there. Yeah. You know, I don't know what good. I guess it's the mentality. It's true. They always, they never like go straight to the boss and kill the boss. They always kill the people. No, but it is this, no, but there's like research into the mentality of the types of people who do this. And it is this sort of like, well, you know, I, I, I'm fucking miserable. So I'm going to take everyone with me. And that's the same idea that goes into these like murder suicides where like the father will like kill all the children and his wife and then himself. It's really disgusting, actually. You know, there's a really good uh, workplace shooting 
Sword and Scale episode. Sword and Scale is a fantastic, oh yeah, uh, like death Plugging murder another podcast. podcast. No. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's one recently. There was a, a a workplace shooting that happened recently that really went un, um, sort of noticed. It oh, was really? it was a transgendered guy in hmm. some like Ohio female to male, or something. no male to female. Okay. But he he wasn't. He was like it was actually really weird because he didn't even like try and really dress up female he was just like i'm a female was this in canada though no it was like in pennsylvania or ohio or something Mm -hmm. and there's they play a ton of recordings he recorded a bunch of like him talking about it beforehand and he did like a murder suicide in like a grocery store that he worked at and it's pretty fascinating to hear his like why he's doing it. And there's not exactly, he doesn't really have like fury at anybody he's working with that mm-hmm. much. He's not like mad at the people he's working with. He hates his dad. Yeah. But for some reason that gets translated into him, her shooting up the, yeah, I think work, pe- like shooting up a grocery store. Like, I think why? people that are angry at their, I think the people that commit workplace shootings are not really, it's not a, like a circle to circle Venn diagram of people that are mad at their work. It's probably much more. Well, I mean, I mean, you're talking about like a whole gray area of like mental illness, yeah. and the type of instability you would need to have going on to, yeah, to think that that was acceptable. Yeah. Well, that was my point. You know, during my suspension, I was like, I've worked here for almost four years. I'm mm. clearly well. You know, not. And, but well, this behaving goes, this goes into another thing we don't have time to talk about, obviously. But like, I really feel that in this country, we don't take mental illness seriously here you know do you i think we take it we talk about it a lot we talk about it but what are we doing isaac doesn't believe that depression is real oh right i forgot about that i didn't i don't want to open this can of worms (laughs) (laughs) you know i don't believe it's real i just don't believe it's a okay that's okay have you Uh, been depressed ever uh sure yeah okay yeah i've been depressed i've been my case (laughs) I've had terrible anxiety and everything. I'm sure I have clinical anxiety, right? Oh, well, but usually depression and anxiety are co-diagnosed. Yeah. They're comorbid with each other. So. Comorbid. Comorbidity. Comorbidity. I will never shoot up a workplace, but I will... <laughs> Chuck. I so will God. be a problem. If, How? I don't... I, I never feel like I'm the problem, but I always get that vibe where oh. people don't like... How about, uh, would you knife a workplace? No, 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 no. <laughs> but That's I w- popular in Asia. <laughs> knifing. <laughs> a knifing of a workplace. I don't. I, I feel like you can't. It's hard in workplaces to be direct. Like people get weird about it. It's weird. Like you said, you don't like fraternization. I'm very open about that. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Hey, you want to go get a beer later?" I'm like, "No." Yeah. Uh, well, thank I mean, you, but no. Yeah, the reason is because I've worked in places where I've seen that go horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like I just, I just want to come here and do work and go home. I don't right. want to have any other exactly. interaction with. It's anybody important. Here. I, I don't know. I just feel it's so important to have like a life outside of work, and I do, and I'm going to keep it that way. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and we don't want it to become a private government, like the book says. Private government by Elizabeth. You should read it, Isaac. Good book. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll read it. <laughs>